Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mentor Box. I'm Tyler Lay, your content coordinator, and today I'm here with Sophie Liao, founder of Oyster Ventures. Sophie, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your sort of introduction to the world of venture capital and, and how you worked kind of in between nations? Yes, um, it's never random, but when you make the decision, when you look back, it's uh, you can connect the dots. So I actually started my career as documentary filmmaker and it's all about storytelling, right? And later joined a high profile uh, technology company that helped them to launch in China and following helping Chinese company to launch in America. So I did BD, International Business Development, M&A. Uh, later I figured I don't want to spend my life on spreadsheet. So I started my own company, sold it, uh, and then local VC firm spotted my work and asked me to join as a technical consultant. And later they found out my background has M&A business development involved. So it's like, why not join us as a VC? Uh, and join really loved my work because essentially I am reallocating smart money from smart, rich individual to young and promising entrepreneurs. So that's how it's sort of like my introduction to VC world. And the reason that I started my own fund is because I see the gap between international funding versus uh, Silicon Valley startups. I think there's a lot of synergies that hasn't tapped yet. And then because I have this bilingual, bicontinent background, so I figure uh, this is my calling. So. Mm -hmm. so can you kind of start from the bottom, if you will, and explain how you, know, you successfully raised capital? Yeah, well... It was easy, right, when I say I have three funds, uh, yeah. but it actually took me two years because, um, and look at me, I am Asian, female, first generation immigrant. I didn't go to Stanford, Harvard, or MIT, so mm -hmm. I didn't go to Linear Pass, and none of my families are actually in a venture capital business. Um, and as a female in the Valley, as we all aware of, it's, it is, I basically checked all the dis disadvantage box. Mm -hmm in terms of raising my own fund. Yeah, absolutely. So I did struggle a lot. But before that, I have mysterious confidence in myself. Why? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's because I work for two local top VC firms. And it seems like fundraising for them is easy. Mm -hmm. I didn't, little did I know, it was the platform as the glory surrounded me when I go out pitch for LP. LP mean, meaning limited partners that will give you money for your fund, right? Mm -hmm. So when I go pitch to LP, it's like, oh, this is your track record. It's actually, I didn't know it's not my track record. It's the fund I work for. Mm -hmm. um, so I sort of inherited the confidence when I start my own fund. I pitch LP. Uh, my successful rate is one out of 200. Okay. Which is pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I can only, so I go out, pitch just like this, what I do, my background, what my VC firm investment thesis, yeah. probably only one out of 200 will give me money. Okay. And I did hit a bottom of my confidence level <laughs> that I was like, oh, maybe I'm not designed for this. I should probably just go work for another VC firm. Mm -hmm. um, but later I figured it is a necessary path, and I don't take it sure. personally anymore. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, don't get me wrong. The my successful rate is still as low as that, mm -hmm. except that I've learned to view this from different perspective. Okay. Why is when LP, if rich LP, give me money, they're rich. They're not dumb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're smart by default. Yeah. Also, 
you're, if you invest in my fund, we have at least eight years relationship with okay. each other, right? Because usually micro VC firms focusing early stage has eight year runway. Yeah. That means this is longer than a lot of marriages in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Think, about <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Uh, they rightfully so can say no to you if they don't like you, yeah, if they, they don't think you are legit, if you are not a good fit, mm-hmm. right? So it is just as hard as finding a partner, finding a boyfriend, finding a husband. <laughs> so I figure, you know, what well, one out of two hundred is not that bad. Mm-hmm. I can just keep going. Okay. And then after two years, I raced. That's that being said, it's not because I just go blindly find new people and pitch the same pitch. Mm-hmm. I do learn about myself, the industry. Yeah. As well. So, so, what were some of the the data points or processes that you know landed you those one in two hundreds, the the successes that you had? So, I tell them what I've learned mm-hmm. and my observation of the whole landscape. So, let's uh, put it that way: in a VC world, right? There's three parties involved: startup, mm-hmm. uh, VC venture capital, my, myself, yep. LP, which is who gave me money. Yep. So, three folks. Let's. Uh, point out each why they need my money. Why is like take I have to start a VC firm better than others? Not better, but different, right? Yeah. For a lot of international folks, that's majority of my LP base set. Mm-hmm. They want to invest in Silicon Valley badly because mm-hmm. technology is new, sexy. Silicon Valley is the center of the world, yep. and they have money. Mm-hmm. Not only do they have money, they have smart money. Mm-hmm. Why is because they make their money by uh, building their own companies. So every single LP. Of my firm, at least have a hundred million exit before in their okay. industry domain. Wow! I have to align myself with strong entrepreneurs like this because yeah. I raised one million from them. But essentially, I raised one million plus mm-hmm. tremendous industry help expertise yeah. later on for my portfolios. So those folks, they are their value is not recognized by Silicon Valley. Uh, First-year VC firms, mm-hmm. for example, Sequoia wouldn't care. Okay. Benchmark wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. People have to chase them to take their checks. Uh, versus the their GP chase LP yeah. of turning their money to smart money, right? Mm-hmm. So from international LP pers- uh, standpoint, that I recognize the value and I want to use them to the max. That so they feel respected. Mm-hmm. That's one point. Another point is as Silicon Valley GP. Compare myself with legit VC firms who's been there for 25 years. Yeah, of course. Uh, the one is they have a very comfortable ecosystem there, mm-hmm. meaning they know exactly which Google engineer gonna quit their job, start a fund, mm-hmm. or st- start a company, so they can put their check size in it. Yeah. Secondly, they know all those head of M&A in big corporations, so they know exactly. The roadmap of their company get acquired or mm-hmm. not. And what is M and A for? M and A is a merger acquisition,、mm-hmm. meaning I invest in a company and、yep. they get an M and A offer from Google. Yeah. They more likely get acquired, and my investment amount is secured,、mm-hmm. right? So, therefore, because it's comfortable ecosystem built in Silicon Valley, a lot of first tier American firms they don't need to ma- raise money from international、yeah. LP yet. Or if they have,、mm-hmm. they don't need to utilize the synergies behind the money yet.、Sure. Therefore, the money they raise from international LP are dumb money, of、mm-hmm. course, because you don't use the resource behind it. Of course, by default, it's dumb, right?、Mm-hmm. So that's my pitch as well, because、okay. I care about international market 
a lot yeah. by default. Yeah. Thirdly, let's view this whole landscape from the entrepreneur perspective. Mm -hmm. As a Silicon Valley startup, it's less likely for you to grow into a unicorn in an organic way. Why is um, you have to pay a lot of ad advertisement dollar for Google, for Facebook, yeah. to target users, to acquire users, mm -hmm. right? And secondly, that there's less and less rooms for you to grow in each industry because industry has monopolies mm -hmm. get bigger Absolutely. and bigger. Amazon owns everything, Facebook yeah. owns everything, Google owns everything, mm -hmm. right? So I feel for them, they need to go international. Okay. Therefore, whenever I go pitch entrepreneurs, it's like, listen, guys, I don't need you to go international right away because you need to be a local mafia first, mm -hmm. right? Be stronger first and before you go out. But Let's here's, see. I will tell you the strategy, the exact roadmap. When you successfully raise a B round, usually at the fast growth stage, yeah. you have to go international to prove okay. that you have larger audience, more potentials, mm -hmm. right? So even for a lot of pre-unicorn, when, when they at the pre-IPO uh, stage, mm -hmm. they want to get international money yeah. to prove they potentially has a market overseas, right? So for that reason, I tell all the entrepreneurs why it's good to take my money. Okay. Right. So um, because of the three points I tell people, it's easier for me to get allocations from premium deals here. Mm -hmm. It's easier for me to differentiate myself from the local GPs here. Local GP meaning uh, first tier VC firms, general partner. Mm -hmm. And it's easier for me to pitch international limited partner, international investor give me money versus mm -hmm. giving other firms money. I see. So those are the three points I think. Um, I've just basically, it's, it's coming from a genuine place. Because mm -hmm. this is where from all my previous career um, experience that came to this conclusion. Yeah, and, and you are Chinese and bilingual. And that's, yes, yeah. Know, kind of going between two cultures there. I think that's right. easy so to see. Right, so my friend will tell me I am Chinese outside, but mm -hmm. little hipster, hippie, Caucasian inside. Why? Because <laughs> I lived with Jewish parents for 14 years. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that <clears throat> a lot of entrepreneurs and startups don't see that they need the international LP money yet. You kind of say the word yet. And I think you're a part of that is exactly. yeah. a part of that is, you know, until the sort of fast, fast growth stage, maybe when that officially becomes a need or, or a benefit that they can seek out. But are you kind of, it sounds like you might be seeking a sort of cultural sea change where the international money is no longer thought of as dumb money. I mean, do you think that this sort of might become into a trend where others like you do the same thing? And then after a while, you're thinking about, you know, even at the seed level or sort of A series, that that could be where the funding starts to come in from the international LPs? Very good question. I think it's, um, I can talk about this nonstop, Let's right? Do it. But Let's do it. <laughs> just to give a general landscape, it's, International money was never dumb. Mm -hmm. It's dumb. It's because you using this. So let's, for example, American will use the business sense to judge if the money is dumb or not. Mm -hmm. Little did you know how the Chinese or Korea or Saudi Arabia get money. Um, they're, they're the base cost of them getting that money and investing you is way easier than you think. Mm -hmm. Or there's mixed of goals when they give you money. Okay. By giving you money, financial gain is just one part of it. Mm -hmm. They can gain something else later on. Mm -hmm. So I think what I'm trying to say is be open-minded 
yeah. when people give you international money. Also, if you really want to know where they get the money come from, what's the end goal of they invest in you at a much larger valuation, ask them, mm-hmm. how can you help? Yeah, I can only say this much because I was in multiple M&A transaction cross-border China, US. Okay. I would say the buyer, Chinese buyer, mm-hmm. would spend 10 million for something only worth 8 million here. Okay. Therefore, the American media and American entrepreneur would think it's dumb. Yeah. But I know the Chinese buyers, how the money come from, what they're trying to achieve mm-hmm. through this transaction. Um, maybe it's not their money. Maybe they're a public traded company in China. By investing overseas, their stock market got popped higher. Mm -hmm. Then they get more money from there versus two million here. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of story hasn't been told in that regard because of political reasons, because it takes uh, some serious bilingual, bicultural generation to tap, tap that secret. Yeah. So do you see that as a potential sort of change in even the Silicon Valley culture sure. as well? Others like you coming along and doing the same sort of thing? I think so. let's, I mean, China, US, it's the elephant in the global room. Yeah, right? so, absolutely. Yeah. A lot going on there. <laughs> right. Um, and I do think nobody can really uh, stop the globalization trend, mm-hmm. right? If you, for, as a startup, you have to capture and sort of don't uh, um, become the industry domain in both China and US. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you are walking as a limp, right? So our, um, collaboration between China and US is uh, doomed to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is the... Doomed to happen. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes, you can live very comfortably within the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, say Uber now, they're still com- comfortable here, right? Yeah. A lot of startups are comfortable here. Facebook is not in China, mm-hmm. but they're comfortable internationally. What I'm trying to say is China has the one of the most fast-growing country, mm-hmm. and they leapfrog a lot. So the, their audiences and citizens and users there are more likely adapted to new technology, mm-hmm. and they have more buying power. Yeah. Why not? Why not go there, mm-hmm. right? Try it that out. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But um, now we're facing the challenging, how to collaborate. I will almost tell my entrepreneurs, listen, if someone's English is better than mine, it's probably not a good Chinese partner for you to have. Okay, right? interesting. So there's a gap. For the, there, if you want to play there, you need to find local mafias. Mm-hmm. I'm not local mafia. I'm okay. way too internationalized. I just know how they think, mm-hmm. right? And happen to know how the entrepreneur here think. Yeah. But entrepreneur will most likely trust me versus trust another guy who does not speak any English. But sure. I know that guy has more better potential and capability to help them launch there versus me. Mm-hmm. So this is where I come from. Okay. I think I am the middle median generation between China and US mm-hmm. to make this to under, make the misunderstanding smaller. Okay. Gap. So yeah. what about the other countries that you listed then and you know seeking that sort of um, LP support from I think you, you know Russia, South Korea, Saudi Arabia. I mean, do you know much about those? I know that you're obviously going yeah, between so China and the US. I raised money from uh, say Japanese investors, Saudi mm-hmm. Arabian investors, Korean investors, Southeast Asian investors. Mm-hmm. They face the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just that their background is different. Maybe sure. they launched, successfully launched and exited from their own company, say, Korea version of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. The founder 
wants to come here, invest in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Nobody knows who, the, who he is okay. or what he's done in the past. Hmm. Nobody knows his money is smart or dumb or just dollar sign, yeah. right? So for me, my job is to, whenever I met a potential LP, mm -hmm. I try to figure out where they come from, what they need. Mm -hmm. Are their pockets deep enough or not? Do they, are they patient enough for me to do early stage venture investing here or not? Because mm -hmm. usually some international LPs, because their home country, they can exit within two years by investing. In Silicon Valley, it's at least eight years, yeah, yeah, right? So I would put it simple. It's very, it, every single meeting I, I, I took, for me, it sort of like feel like an interview. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you go pitch, but you actually ask a lot of questions. I see. Figure out what the other person need, what he can provide. How can you help him mm -hmm. to achieve his goals? Okay. Right. What is the structure of a venture firm? Good question. Money in and out. <laughs> But there there's yeah. some serious legal structures there. Yeah. So, and the typical day, um, say we have a venture firm has three entities. Mm -hmm. One is the fund, yep. usually is limited partnership. This is where the whole, all the money in and out would go through there. Mm -hmm. And we have a GP company, G L, uh, usually is LLC. GP meaning general partner, meaning yep. the actual manager of the fund. And we have a management LLC. Um, all the business expenses, the salaries, et cetera, will go through there. Mm -hmm. So uh, those are the three entities. Okay. Yeah. Um, money in and out that in entrepreneurs and LP investors in the fund would deal with, which is this one. Okay. Yeah. I see. LP. Yeah. So this is typical um, fund structure. Uh, we would say some creative fund structure, meaning there's a feeder fund mm -hmm. in America, in the US, and yeah. master fund in Cayman BVI somewhere else. Okay. Those are because there's some uh, re regulatory issues. Yeah. yeah. So more complicated stuff. But sure. yeah, uh, to simplify it is fund, GP, management company. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So with that said, I'd like to kind of, we're kind of zoomed out right now, really sure. looking at yeah. the, the intercontinental and the mm -hmm. multinational. Um, I want to kind of zoom back in. You mentioned that you started your own company at one point, right? I right. Mean, is, is that, have you started multiple companies at this point? Is, no. No? Just yes. the one? Uh, one company is fully started by myself. It's okay. a virtual reality production company. Oh. Yeah. Um, I sold it because my co-founder are uh, senior citizens. Oh. <laughs> I figured VR, it took, v it, it, it will, it still will take virtual reality um, a long time. Mm-hmm before it can be completely like commercialized, sure. basically. By the time it's consumer facing, mm -hmm. I think my, I, I need to switch my partners. <laughs> you okay. know what I mean? So. <laughs> Interesting. But I sold it, um, sold it. Okay. to cover the cost, basically. It wasn't a successful exit. I never say that. Okay. But it's just, um, I've learned how hard it is. Yeah. Also learned to become a unicorn company Mm -hmm. Yes, you need the hard work. Yes, you need to find the right partner. Of yes, course. you need to do the, all the right thing. But most importantly is timing. Sure. The timing that I, for me to start the VR studio uh, was not right. Okay. It's still not right. So let's say somebody wants to give you money. How do you suggest for our members how they get into the, the VC game? How much you want to give to me? <laughs> Just kidding. I would always actually start as um, telling them the risk. Okay. Yeah. So for folks who really wants to get into the VC game, um, 
as an LP, meaning limited partner that you want to give your money to another manager like me to manage your money, uh, always ask questions. Um, one is, what's your fund cycle? Meaning, how many years that I put my money into your fund until that I can see the exit, I see the money reduced back to my wallet. Usually, we break down venture investing into different stages, say angel investing, pretty quick. Um, that you just write your personal check to the entrepreneur or angel firm. But the thing is, put this in mind that angel investing probably has the least liquidity in the mm -hmm. whole game. Why? It's because you have to wait till the company got sold or got acquired or got a, uh, went to IPO until you see the money. So it's a long, long way to go. Or if, see, my firm is a mix of seed and A round, um, and the fund cycle is 8 to 10 years. So this meaning you give me money, until 8 to 10 years, you wouldn't see the money back, unless I close the fund. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't want to see that. Yeah. So this is the second stage. And there's um, other VC firms that design as a growth stage fund, meaning uh, sort of private equity growth stage, meaning they will invest in a company that at a really fast going, um, growing stage, and they will write much larger checks to companies. That means you will write much larger checks to me as well because um, the fund is relatively big. And there's a pre-IPO stage of uh, VC firms. This, those VC firms would be, I, I saw a lot in China because mm -hmm. the um, IPO activity is more active there and PE ratio is better. So um, usually those funds has, has um, less life cycle, um, fund life meaning four years, five, five years, you will mm -hmm. see your money return, right? Because these funds, they will invest in pre-IPO companies. You know these companies go to IPO, meaning the IPO date will be your liquidity event date. Mm -hmm. So public offering. Yeah. So um, if you have money, wants to invest in a VC firm, I would say check which stage of the VC firm investing so you know your liquidity uh, scenario. Secondly, is their track record about the firm itself, who's managing it, uh, what does the partnerships look like, how do they know each other, that um, what type of focus they have. They're investing fintech, financial in industry, or media tech, or uh, autonomous vehicles, it's different. And see um, their working experience before, how relevant it is to the current position. I think it will be different di different LP, meaning limited partner, that have different uh, methodology mm -hmm. to assess which it's this young fund manager is qualified or not, mm -hmm. right? So in that regard, I think do a lot of homework. Um, keep this in mind, because you're more likely to give someone that money for eight years. This is longer than marriage. So <laughs> you have to really do good homework before you handle your money, mm -hmm. yeah, so. So let's jump to the other side of the spectrum there, mm -hmm. liquidity be damned. Let's think about, you know, entrepreneurs. What what are you seeking um, in a good entrepreneur, ultimately, when you're um, seeking to invest in a startup? I hear a lot, it's not about the product. You don't invest in a product, you invest in an entrepreneur. Yes, this is very accurate for early stage companies, yeah. right? Because early stage, you don't have a product market, uh, market fit yet. You don't have, you don't even have a prototype, mm -hmm. uh, let alone uh, tractions, track records, users, etc. So what do you see? You can only you can only 
make your investment bad based on the founders and the team dynamics. Yeah. So in terms of the growth stage, you see you need to provide a lot of attractions, mm -hmm. track record attractions, numbers, sales, uh, runways, etc. And for pre-IPO stage of company, you just say, hey, you hired a new CFO yet? Do you have someone do underwriting yeah, for yeah. you yet? The market in the, in the say, a SaaS company, a Dropbox go to IPO. It's what's the PE ratio once you go IPO? How much multiples that I can gain as an investor, right? So mm -hmm. different stage, you see you have different requirements to make a institutional bet. Mm -hmm. Specifically for early stage, what I do is I see the team. The people, of course. that's their, their track record. How do they know each other? Mm -hmm. Are they gonna break, like, you know, <laughs> is this relationship solid enough? Yeah, is it yeah. cohesive? Yeah. Yes, so I would say a lot of times you just have to trust your guts. If you don't understand, okay. don't invest. Okay. If you don't have a little bit, if you know, discomfort feeling, don't invest. Okay. Yeah, usually you're six, I, it's, it's a little bit wishy-washy term, but yeah. Your instincts actually are pretty accurate. Well, there's a lot of money on the line, so of course. That you don't want to yeah. you know, make this. Yeah. Even for small there. bets, for example, that mm -hmm. for my early stage firm, I my check size is anywhere from 25k to two million. Okay. I see every dollar as dollar because I'm yeah. responsible for it, right? Absolutely. And I want to see return, and also want this money to be smart money to empower smart entrepreneurs to grow. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's so. I would say all the portfolios that I bet, the common personality the entrepreneurs has is one, they're very persistent. Okay. Yeah, they seem like the type that would never easily give up. Mm -hmm. Secondly, they're pretty resourceful. Okay. A lot of street smart, despite the fact that some have PhD degree, some drop it out from high school, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they have tremendous, tremendous knowledge about humans as well as the industry they play in. So I figured if someone would never give up, I should don't I I shouldn't give up on them yeah. in the first place. So I mean there's a lot of checking points. I can I can I can tell, but it's mm -hmm. essentially you go on a date. You wanna to get to know sure. the person. Just whenever you go meet an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. view it as someone you could potentially have an eight years relationship with. Okay. Do you wanna put your money in this person or not, yeah. right? At the end of the day, it's all about this. Yeah, absolutely. So, so before we officially close things out, I'd like to ask you the <laughs> big intimidating question. I think you probably know this what's is coming. coming. Yes. <laughs> the bubble, It's we hear a lot about it. Can you explain what the deal is? Is there a bubble coming and what we should do about it? I'm a little biased, right? So, because I am venture capital mm -hmm. in this, essentially the center of the bubble, the world. Yeah. Uh, I hate to say there's a bubble, but uh, it would be wrong. It would be lying if I did say there's no bubble at okay. all. Meaning, I mean, there's some solid companies who build their sales numbers to build a valuation mm -hmm. from zero and very solid. So in that regard, I don't think everything is a bubble in technology mm -hmm. industry. But because of the really high profile companies that raised money from like mysteriously large valuation. Yeah. Um, I would say these companies actually create very fast momentum for the bubble. Mm -hmm. 
that's from company's standpoint. I'm not going to point out which companies, okay. uh, but I think we, we know. Uh, and from venture capital's perspective, how I see there's a bubble coming is, think about it. How many companies that really deserve that larger funding? For example, the Vision Fund. They mm-hmm. raise billions of dollars. Yeah. What are you going to invest? Like, yeah. right? Early stage only deals only takes 200K check size. Mm-hmm. Growth stage takes five to 10 million check size. Pre-IPO, you can buy 200 million. You essentially buy a large chunk of the company, right? You don't really bring any value mm-hmm. to the whole ecosystem. You just create more and more larger bubbles. Mm-hmm. So think about it, where the money come from? Mm-hmm. Before it was Japan. And, before, and then it's China. And China can't, like, now they have this currency control. They cannot easily move money around. And now it's the oil money, Saudi Arabian money, right? Mm-hmm. And then what's next? If you run out of the three largest like, venture capital funding, international venture capital funding, where you get the other money? The moment you cannot pump more money to such high valuation previously yeah. is the moment when the bubble is going to burst, yeah. right? So the moment... Soft, SoftBank announced the Vision Fund, and I see the size of the fund. Then I have a little red flag in my head. It's like, oh shoot, mm-hmm. let me do better job investing company who's not going to write or die in this bubble. Yeah. So, well, at least you're doing that, I guess. Yes, you ha- have to always do that. Yeah. yeah. So a lot to think about there. Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting with us. Um, it was wonderful to have you in. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thank you guys so much for tuning in to MentorBox. We'll see you on the next episode.